Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. Um, today, we're very kindly joined by Alan Green once again. Alan, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Good morning, John. Uh, good to be back. So, Alan, we, we were speaking last week, weren't we? And we were in the midst of the US elections. And we, did, we didn't cover it in too much detail because at that time, we were seeing um, the, the results still coming in, which, which leaves obviously a little bit of uncertainty. But of course, we, we came in on, on Monday and with Biden's win, we, we saw a very sharp rally up in equity markets. However, that has taken something of a back seat now because shortly after that, we saw the announcement from Pfizer about the breakthrough on the vaccine. That's been dictating markets, of course, since then. So I think that's going to be something that we focus on today. And we, and we have three stocks that we're going to discuss. And one of those very much plays into that theme that we'll, we'll cover later, later on in the podcast. But Alan, looking, looking at this move, I'm, I'm looking at it and thinking, you know, th- this vaccine news was something that the markets were anticipating to some extent for, for some time, that there was always going to be a sharp rally when we saw an announcement on a vaccine. But I'm looking at it now and thinking we've got the FTSE 100 at 63.50 there or thereabouts. Do we now see a setup in markets where uh, that good news to some extent is priced in with that sharp rally? Um, we know that there's going to be a vaccine coming. Of course, the, the details need to be clarified on, on terms of, of when um, and, and the scale that the vaccine is going to come in. But do you think now that markets start to shift their attention towards the economy and and the longer term recovery and how that may be hampered um, with the damage that we've seen due to COVID? Um, or do you think that we see a grind higher from here in markets now that everyone's going to be looking forward to the first uh, vaccines being distributed? That's a very good question, Jonathan. Of course, we've, we've had some very good news out this morning uh, on the UK economy. Um, um, during uh, from July to September, the economy grew fifteen and a half percent, and obviously that was from a pretty low start point. But um, nonetheless, you know those numbers are, are good to see. Um, and uh, at that point, of course, the lockdown had been lifted. Um, we're still eight, just over eight percent down, or the economy is just over eight percent smaller than before the virus stuck, according to data from the ONS. But um, but I think. Um, yeah, we were expecting news on a vaccine at some point. Of course, uh, Pfizer sort of um, rocked the markets literally on Monday with that announcement, um, and uh, certainly test data seems to be um, seems to be confirming a success rate of over ninety percent. Um, uh, of course, uh, a lot of the anti-vaccine brigade are out there saying, "Well, you know, if I take this, I'm going to grow two heads." It's far too early in the day, and all the rest of it. But uh, nonetheless, it, it's a great step forward. Um, but I, th- I think what surprised me more than anything was, of course, we we saw a lot of the stocks that have been leading the way, um, uh, in, in, if you like, in the uh, within the COVID portfolio, plummet on the on the news of this and. Uh, it, it's. I think the the markets on Monday suddenly thought, oh goodness me, the cure is here. We can get back to normal. 
all the stocks that uh, were involved in looking for cures, uh, providing testing equipment, uh, providing quick tests, they're all redundant. Well, no, of course they're not. Um, firstly, firstly, this is the first move um, in a dangerous virus that um, mutates, that they already know the virus is mutating. And secondly, this is something that's going to be around for a long time to come. So if we're going to get back to normal, we will need uh, proper testing at airports, quick tests uh, such as a Vactor's test, which uh, which takes a few minutes to get the results, uh, the antigen saliva test. Um, and of course, Novasite, uh, which I'm going to talk about shortly, uh, which also has a, a, a molecular a diagnostic kit, which uh, it's blazed a trail with and has been approved by the UK Health Service. Um, so there's an awful lot. Uh, there's an awful lot of development still to take place. Um, are we to ask you a question? Uh, is the market going to grind higher from here? I think we're seeing a new floor floor being laid at the moment, um, and of course. The uh, the companies that have been impacted most the the leisure companies the um, the uh, the entertainment industry they will start to come back once we can get it back to some semblance of normality. So yeah, I, I think the market is looking good value. I, I am bullish on the outlook, but of course um, it's not going to be a straight line up from here. Indeed. So one thing I want to touch on now is this rotation. Um, we have discussed it and touched on it previously, a rotation away from uh, the COVID stocks as, as such. So, that, of course, you've touched on there um, on a number that are directly involved in, in testing and, and, and therapeutics. But of course, there's those COVID stocks that are very much related to uh, consumer behaviour when you're looking at Just Eat and Ocado yeah. in the, the FTSE 100 Uh Fresnillo and polymetal, albeit not um, directly correlated to, to people's activities, but more to gold and investor behaviour of, of looking for a safe haven. Yes. We, we, I mean, looking at these stocks since the, the close on Friday, we've got Fresnillo down 15%, polymetal down 10%, Just Eat and Ocado are both down roughly 7%. Whereas if we're looking at the other side on the FTSE 350, we have the, the pubs group, um, SSP group up 62%, Cineworld up 55%, Capita up, up 40, 49%, WH Smiths, IAG, Rolls-Royce, all up between 40 and, and 30%. Do you think it's a case now that investors are, are going to start to be looking forward to the middle of next year, the end of next year, when the economy gets back to normal and they start picking up some of these shares, maybe with profits that they've made on the uh, on, on the COVID stocks, or do you think that there's some um, some legs to be had in these COVID stocks still going forward? Well, as I said um, just now, uh, this is by no means over. This virus is with us with us for good, um, and uh, the, the testing kits that um, that are being made available in the market, the the apps that we've spoken about previously, such as the the Cat and I Back to Work app, um, the COVID app, um, all of these will have a place. Um, there will be some treatments that will no longer be required, of course. But um, um, as you say, the market um, uh, the, the market is looking probably around the middle of next year now, and it's pricing in what it thinks is going to happen there. So that's why we're seeing the big jumps in in uh, stocks like uh, in some of the pub stocks and of course uh, Cineworld um, as people return to the cinema. Um, but it won't it won't be a straight line. I mean, I, I think what we can say is that uh, by in the 
by the middle of next year, by next summer, we will be back to some semblance of normality. Although, of course, when you travel, you'll you'll ha- you'll have to prove that you haven't got um, you haven't got COVID, um, and probably they'll be looking at a test that's taken place within the previous twenty four hours as being evidence enough. Um, so, so that, that there are an awful lot of hoops to jump through. But I think now we're on the road. Um, to some sort of recovery. Um, I do think the markets will harden from here. And, um, you know, we, we can probably look at where we are now Now at um, at around uh, 6,300, um, 6, 6,400 as, as a good floor from which to return to the highs of um, 7,000 uh, and above. Indeed, indeed. So it's going to be very interesting days, uh, days and weeks ahead. I think for for these markets, but let, let's now focus on the those stocks that are very much involved in the the fight against COVID. So you, you touched on there on, on a vector, and we're going to discuss Novasite in, in in some detail. But looking at Synergen as well, that was obviously providing a uh, a therapeutics, and they're obviously trialing certain things there. Vector and Novasite very much focused on on the testing side of things. Looking at the share prices there, Synergen's down 41% since Friday, Avacta down 32%, but Novasite's only down 16%. So there is quite a big difference there in the share price movements. Now, what do you think is driving that differentiation there? Well, I think the primary reason for the recovery, I mean, clearly the with the development at Pfizer, the valuations of the COVID companies is being looked at again, um, but um, I, I think the as often happens in these situations, if you want to send out a bullish signal to the markets, there's nothing better than the director sticking his hand in his pocket and buying and buying shares. And I think Graham Mullis, the CEO of Novasite, has absolutely knocked out of the park this morning. He's bought sixty thousand eight hundred and seventy-five shares at eight pounds seventeen pence. Um, that's uh, Four hundred ninety-seven thousand, so so a smidge under half a million pounds of his own money in the open market, and that to me um, signals great confidence in 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 the future for um, the industry. Uh, well, the, the future of an oversight, the future of, of the industry, and really serves to back up what I was saying just now that you know this is this is the first the first move um, in. Or the first element of recovery in what is going to be a very long and protracted game, and um, the, the the companies at the forefront of uh, battling COVID and providing uh, tools both uh, at the vaccine end, at the testing end, these companies still have a very big role to play. And I think Graham Mullis has been, um, you know, at the coalface uh, uh, for many years with Novasight and seen the COVID crisis develop. They've met the COVID crisis with their with their um, molecular diagnostic tests, um, and of course, um, it, it's it's been really, I, I, I guess you could say, probably the flagship stock for UK COVID, uh, UK listed um, COVID companies. Um, so, so the director, the director buying, and also Ed Snape, the other director, bought uh, bought uh, further shares yesterday as well. Um, but the the company has had um, a, a an incredible year. Um, you consider, I think, uh, if you bought shares uh, in the company at the start of the year, you spent four and a half thousand on stock. I think at about seventeen p. Your investment would now be worth 
um, just over half a million. So maybe that's what uh, maybe that uh, was an investment that uh, Graham Mullen Graham Mullis um, uh, had in mind. Um, you know, it's it's just been the most incredible year. So anyone invested in the company who stuck with it would have seen a high also of uh, £12.70 at one stage as well. So um, what have Novasite done? Well, well they, 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 their lead business units are Primer Design and Lab 21 products, and they prov- uh, they supply a fast a, a range of assays and reagents uh, worldwide into oncology, microbiology, hematology, and so on. And also, of course, they've got the market-leading CE-marked COVID-19 um, test, uh, test kits, which has resulted in numerous strategic partnerships, of course, with AstraZeneca, University of Cambridge and, and Glaxo. Um, during the, uh, du- during the, uh, the, the first half of the year, they won a UK Department of Health contract. Um, there's a 2000 patient trial underway at Queen Mary's Hospital. Um, and of course, we know the first half sales grew something like 900% to 70, 72 million euros. Um, EBITDA grew by over two thousand percent to forty nine point four million. So um, it's it's been a year that uh, financially has totally justified the huge boom in uh, and and the huge growth in Novasite's um, valuation. Um, the company also said when it declared its interim was back in September that um, it expected that second half revenues would be. Um, um, in excess of 150 million euros, with EBITDA in excess of 100 million. So, the the the, the company are very much going from strength to strength. The, um, the uh, Graham Mullis, the CEO, said at the time they were seeing continual strengthening from growing operational cash flows, and they saw this continuing for the next 12 to 18 months. And he's backed his statement, of course, with his own money, as I said earlier this morning, by buying half a million pounds worth of shares. Um, also, from this huge cash generation, they have they that uh, they acquired they amassed a war chest of cash to make acquisitions, and indeed they made an acquisition last month of ITIS uh, for ten million cash, um, which uh, basically secures the IP for Novasite's test instruments or the rapid test instruments, and is already earnings accretive to the group, um, uh, and is expected to contribute some four million. Um, uh, some four million sterling um, uh, into the into the pot for, for this year. Um, so the, the the future for the group looks very bright. Um, I think uh, you know at this juncture, um, Graham Mullis has put his money where his mouth is, and I think the shares do look great value, and they they're going to continue to deliver value regardless of what Pfizer or what any other drug giant might do in the meantime. So, I mean, there will be people who are looking at this and maybe a little bit concerned about Novasite. I mean, with that huge jump up in, in revenue, that, that's going to be um, you know, very hard to, to see such a high growth going forward, of course. And in the second half, there will be still quite a high level of activity from the COVID testing side of things. But, but what's the risk to these shares that if we move into sort of next year, middle of next year, and that there's widespread vaccines and, and the reduction there's a big reduction in the demand for tests does Novasite have anything else that he could fall back on in terms of revenue going forward very much so i mean it's uh, it's now got um in the first half of the year it built these strategic partnerships um with astrazeneca glaxo and university of cambridge for for the test kit so so test kit 
if, in order for us to get back to no, back to normal, uh, effective testing is absolutely vital. We can't do that. We can't move around. We can't get on aircraft. We can't get on a train without being pretty certain that that we're okay. Um, and um, in order for life to get back to normal, uh, effective testing is critical. Novacite's testing kit um, is is well proven already. Um, it was ordered by the UK Department of Health. So they have those contracts in place. Um, but they also, as I said um, at the start, they supply assays and reagents uh, across the world to other big pharma groups. So they've got these these um, these long-standing strategic partnerships and relationships with other farm companies uh, involved in oncology, microbiology, hematology and serology. So, um, and there's also, you know, Graham Mullis, um, the chairman, James Wakefield, uh, the CFO, Anthony Dyer, they've got between them some uh, some 80 years of experience uh, in the healthcare industry. Um, and Graham Mullis has overseen several successful exits. Uh, of course, he worked with Biocompatibles, Clear Lab um, and iCure. Um, so th- there's, there's, th- there's a lot of experience on the team to steer Novacite forward. But I also go back to Graham's state, Graham Willis's statement uh, that um, the, uh, the, the forecast revenues for the second half are expected to be 150 million euros plus um, in, in excess of an EBITDA of 100 million. So on the full year, that's going to add up to a pretty a, a pretty chunky sum of money. Um, and, you know, Graham Willis's uh, uh, share, share purchases this morning, half a million, you, you know, in share purchases. I think uh, underscores his confidence in the business and uh, and um, his view uh, for the next eighteen months. And I, you know, I think um, when you're trying to decide, what, you know, are the shares offering good value at, that, at this point? If the CEO is spending that sort of money, making those sort of statements, I think you can be confident, certainly in the medium term, that Novasite offers good growth potential. Yeah, an interesting story, and I'm sure one that we will be touching on again, Alan, on the uh, on, on the podcast. So a sector that we'll be keeping a very close eye on. But we're going to move on now to a stock. Now, this is Blue Prism, uh, Alan. This is one that I do remember um, from some years ago, a huge growth story. Um, it's operating in the, the cyber um, sector. It, it was one that really came on to the scene when, when it was just to start to become quite a popular investment theme some years ago now. And it, it had a very sharp rally, but you know, for the for the last sort of year, two years, it's been re- it's been trading relatively sideways. Is it you know it's obviously been a little higher than where it is now and and some some quite a little bit lower. But what's the, the latest update from from them and what's been happening there? Okay, so we're in we're in the uh, in in the run up to a further trading statement from the group. But um, as you as you rightly say, uh, John, um, uh, Blue Prism are engaged in RPA, robotic process or automation. So and they now they provide enterprise grade uh, RPA processes um, to a number of blue chip clients in the UK. They're used by Waitrose and Arla Foods, but probably. Um, a lot of business people will be won't know they've come into contact with them, but will have used the uh, the process. The um, their auto the the auto the automated uh, process was used um, in the uh, in, uh, for the bounce back loan application process um, uh, by by a lot of the leading UK banks. Um, so they they're at the forefront of this, as you rightly say, delivered huge growth. Um, 
and of course um given the uh, g- given the, the restrictions that covid has placed on every, on on all of us um the the remote processes uh, uh means the company's been able to work and develop the business and build revenues uh, ongoing um when they <clears throat> when they announced uh, interims in june um revenues have grown uh, 70% to 68.5 million um ebitda was Roughly, roughly the same. There was an EBITDA loss of uh, thirty million versus thirty-one million previously, but um, the group had um, net cash at that point of one hundred and forty million in the bank, and were growing uh, customers at, at a rate of knots, um, just under nineteen hundred customers versus thirteen hundred previously. Um, the, uh, the 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 group chief executive uh, Jason Kingdon um, uh, took over from the co-founder Alistair Bathgate, who stepped down after eighteen years. Um, and uh, uh, Kingdon said basically the uh, the group are on on are on course uh, to become cash uh, uh, cash break even in two thousand twenty one, um, and they're now generating well over one million in new monthly recurring revenues. And of course, with any business like this, it's all about the recurring revenues, the ability to generate these recurring revenues, which uh, Blue Prism is is very much at the forefront of. So um, the uh, the shares are, the shares have um, really d- delivered very strong growth. Um, when most stocks fell off a cliff in uh, the second third week in March, uh, the, the uh, shares hit a low of eight hundred fifty or eight pound fifty, um, and they've just delivered a really really steady steady um, upwards uh, chart since that point, uh, hitting a series of high lows on the way, and now look very placed to, very well placed, I think, to uh, revisit year highs um, of just under £19 on, on the year. Um, but uh, again, um, the the company has used, uh, has uh, throughout the past few years, um, made acquisitions. It uh, acquired and integrated a company called Thoughtonomy in 2019, and is generally regarded globally as the market leader in RPA software. So, um, uh, a, a very strong, very strong growth story. Uh, a company that um, could be viewed as perhaps operating in a niche, but uh, a company whose processes and services uh, most people are probably use without realizing. Yes, I think this is a very good example. Uh, of, of a British technology company that is going through or has gone through the, the growth stages, very early stages to some extent. Um, of course, it's been loss making, uh, but it's now starting to to get towards um, some some form of uh, profitability. I think that, you know, to keep that uh, sustainable, I think maybe still a, a few years off, but one that, that's very much uh, a story of growth and I look forward to, to see um, more from them coming forward. Indeed. So, I don't know. Now we're going to discuss one last company here. Now we've been discussing that you know the relatively racy areas of uh, biotechnology and um, robotics, but we're going to move over now to to a company. Um, you know, investors would have heard of this. You know, they had a disaster um, in recent years. Um, maybe not as sexy as the companies we've been discussing, but it's Capita. And they have actually been one of the strongest performers uh, since last uh, last Friday, up forty eight percent on the back of the the Biden win and the announcement on uh, on on the vaccine. So, what what's been uh, been happening at Capita? 
Okay, so um, Capita, as everyone knows, you know, it's, it's a well-known household name, um, and they are, of course, um, uh, the company to which uh, many other companies and organisations and government bodies outsource um, various um, various tasks and services to. Um, and I think the thing about Capita is that um, it is absolutely entrenched. Um, um, almost inextricably entrenched within the government in infrastructure. It undertakes an awful lot of um, uh, outsourcing work for the government, um, and that's in regard to the Ministry of Justice. And, of course, earlier this year we heard the uh, Capital won a three-year extension to the Ministry of Justice contract worth £114 million. Um, a four-year extension with the Department of Education uh, uh, to administer teachers' pension scheme worth some 60 million um but of course the company is very hard hit by by covid and um indeed uh, shares fell off a cliff shares were trading at about uh, one i think they hit um uh, a year high of uh, 1 pound 70 no no in fact 1 pound 80 in, uh, in in january and then literally fell off a cliff so second week in march again uh, shares hit an all-time low of 27p um, and they've really bumped along the bottom uh, occasionally popped up since that point but recovered very strongly as you said John last Friday after the the Biden win was uh, more or less formalized um, and um, during the Covid crisis um, uh, the CEO John Lewis I think uh, has done a very good job um, and he said so earlier in the year they were making tough but prudent cost-cutting decisions um, uh, they, they were reducing um, the board salaries um, uh, and uh, incorporating furloughing the furlough schemes to save some hundred million on the on on the um, on, on, on the uh, fixed costs that the company has to uh, has, has to pay out. Um, number of uh, disposals um, uh, and uh, uh, the, the company sort of cut two hundred jobs uh, in June. Um, the, in uh, in in, uh, in it also disposed of uh, um, Eclipse Legal Services uh, for some 56 million um, in June as well. Um, but really, since then, it's been there's been very little news from the company up to um, up to uh, uh, November the 10th, uh, where the company announced a trading update, um, and that was of course uh, we're now the, so that was on Tuesday this week, and the company said it was trading in line with expectations. On the year, it had generated revenues of 803 million versus uh, 902 previously. But it said that um, the reason for the fall in revenues was purely COVID. Um, operating profits uh, were much higher: 30 million in operating profits versus 12 million last year, um, and adjusted EBITDA of 115 million versus 111 million last year. So that, to me, represents a really resilient set of numbers. Um, and the company expects to hit numbers in, in line with the year. There is an issue with debt, of course, and the company is working to reduce that debt pile. Um, uh, and uh, the the group is uh, in the process of disposing of it's an educational software business, uh, which will uh, basically reduce the debt pile further still. And John Lewis said at that point, um, they continue to strengthen the balance sheet with disposal of non-core assets, um, and they are in the process of building a sustainable and focused capital group going forward. So I think the Biden win favours them. Um, uh, clearly, they, they have 
they're engaged uh, with uh, with software projects and outsourcing projects um, around the world, uh, primarily in the UK, though. Um, so I think going forward, um, this could be a very good recovery player to get involved with. And I will declare at this point that um, I do hold shares in Capita, and uh, I did buy I did buy them earlier in the year when they were lower than they are now. So hoping for some gains myself. So I mean, I remember Capita going back some years. It was a very solid growth story, very much. Uh, reliant to some extent on on government contracts, yeah. uh, you know, going back to two thousand and twelve through to two thousand and sort of uh, sixteen, um, very, very solid uh, bull run it had there. But of course, with Carillion, there's, there's been a tar, um, you know, a lot of these companies have been tired of the same brush in terms of government outsourcing. I, I mean, how much has has Capita changed its business model since then? And do you think we could? I mean, obviously, the, the share price back then was significantly higher than what it what it is now so it's a completely different era but i mean do you think we could we could see a capital now with with a, a changed business model go back into to a long series of growth yeah i mean obviously the debt um, with any company is a concern but um but yeah yeah i do i i think capita as i said at the start they are absolutely entrenched within government infrastructure and it's a lot easier for the government to just go to Capra and say, right, we need this. We need this. Uh, you know, we need uh, the the Ministry of Justice sorting. We need uh, the Department of Education short, sorting. You've got the infrastructure. Can you please administer? Knowing full well that they are running so many other infrastructure schemes for the government. So, um, so yes, uh, I think that potential is there. And also, they fared well during lockdown. Although that it's not a huge fall in revenues. Um, or not the fall that you might expect. So I think they've they've managed uh, they've managed the crisis well. Um, obviously, we saw what happened with Carillion, as you rightly said. But I think Capita are, are well managed with John Lewis, um, and they are in the process of disposing of non-core assets going forward to reduce that debt pile and um, and, uh, and and become a leaner, meaner, and fitter organisation. So I think it's uh, they represent. Uh, a good investment proposition right now. Um, will it get back to the highs earlier in the year? Uh, I don't know, but um, I think if we see more contract wins and we get further updates as we get towards the full year numbers announcement, um, that's uh, that's very possible. Indeed, I think there's three interesting stocks. I think Capita does uh, just finish it off quite nicely. In fact, you know, three interesting stocks there, each each with their own merits. Um, that we could see quite an interesting end to. 2020 for those so uh, ones that I'm sure that we will be discussing again at some point Alan um, and a number of those we have been touching on uh, in some detail in the past as well so there's a good story there behind them so just uh, just as a a recap there um, for the stocks that we've just um, discussed of course um, we were just discussing uh, Capita, uh, which trades under the ticker of CPI, um, Novasite with a ticker of NCYT, and Blue Prism has a ticker of PRSM. So, Alan, thank you very much for once again being on the podcast today. Thank you, John. My pleasure. So, um, let's see what next uh, next week brings and see if we see any more excitement towards the end of this week. Thanks very much, Alan. Thank you, John. Bye for now. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player.
The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk. 